This episode is brought to you by Roster Up Media, your home for tangible insights on the NFL and fantasy football. For the hottest takes and deep dives on your favorite NFL teams, as well as daily and season-long fantasy football hacks, head to rosterupmedia.com. If you love football, you'll love Roster Up. Rock bottom. It's pretty deep, isn't it? On last week's podcast episode, we went on a rant, but at the end of a frustrating monologue, we didn't ask for perfection. We asked for progress. Then Sunday came, and not only weren't we perfect, we actually regressed. We watched a team led by Teddy Two Gloves, someone who was formerly on the Jets roster, make the Jets look like a JV team who had no business lacing up cleats for a professional football organization. It was an utter embarrassment. I was considering buying tickets to the Jets-Bengals game on Halloween, but now I wonder why I would ever even consider paying to watch this team. At least at home, I can turn off the TV or flip to a game where both teams actually score points. As Dan Hansa said on Twitter so eloquently, Jets fans weren't asking for a Cinderella playoff run this season. We just wanted something to look forward to on Sundays. A whiff of progress. A dash of hope. You know it's bad when we miss the days where we were all heartbroken by close losses. We are now laughing to keep from crying. I am pleading with the Johnson brothers to sell me this team so that I can bury it in the core of the earth. I cannot risk my future offspring somehow stumbling upon fandom in this franchise, which has robbed us all of so many potentially great years. But now we sit here and we try to find the positives. We are also here to give the honest truth. And we shall. The unfortunate reality is that the worse the team does, the less you want to hear how bad things are. So podcasts like ours do lose listeners when the team doesn't give us hope. But for those of you who are still with us, thank you for listening. Let's get to it. All right, everyone, we hope you enjoyed that rant. Now we can get into segment one, where we do Ryan's recap. I'm here with Ryan. Ryan, up? I know. I know it's difficult to speak after this past. <clears throat> Hello, how are you? <laughs> not good not, afternoon, but afternoon. not so good. How not are we doing? So <laughs> well, we're going to jump in and let you do a little recap of this Sunday, Ryan. I gave my rant already uh, for the listeners, so I'll kind of leave the floor to you here <clears throat> to tell me what you thought overall. Um, not good. Obviously, um, very little positives um to look at after that one uh very frustrating to see that we are once again um a bottom three if not the worst team in the league uh just really really frustrating it's hard to find a win on the schedule going forward um i don't know if we could beat a professional football team going forward i don't know if we can beat an sec team um going forward so excuse me um, yeah, it's going to be a long season and I knew that from game one, but you'd think they'd be a little bit more competitive. Um, I'm a little upset with Mike LaFleur. Uh, I, I just don't see a win on the schedule. You know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe we can beat somebody late, but the next few games going to be rough. Um, I don't know. I think the only way we beat the Titans this week is if the Titans miss their flight, they oversleep. Uh, no alarm. Uh, maybe they just forgot to set their alarm and uh, they don't show up to MetLife Stadium. That's the only chance we get because uh, I'm going to be in the building for that game. I will be there. It's going to be uh, – it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. I, I don't even expect to be competitive at this point. It's three weeks in and uh, another lost season. Uh, frustrating. You know, hopefully we can just, you know, protect Zach and see some strides. But uh, right now, nah, not good. Not good. Yeah, and in my rant, I said, um, I don't know how I could even imagine paying to watch this team in public. Thankfully, um, I got a, a yeah, ticket you got for free. free. Tickets to this one, right? um, <laughs> so I will enjoy it as much as I can. Uh, hopefully, we make it a full quarter this time before the game's over. Um, I went to the week two New England. We had about a quarter um, of, of potential competitive play because of the defense. Um, so I'm just hoping for a quarter. 
you know, maybe six minutes this time. Maybe we'll our offense will have an offensive explosion of like six to eight points. That would be um, fun to see. Uh, maybe we'll kick a couple field goals. That that's where I'm at. Ouch. I <laughs> uh, just I I get my hopes up and and every you know Sunday it's depressing and then you know Monday comes around Tuesday comes around by Thursday Friday I'm ready I, I'm I'm usually ready to, I listen to everything all the post game press conferences everything and then they reel me back in and I'm not gonna let it happen I'm not gonna let myself get hurt I'm not gonna walk down that road again and uh, hopefully I'll be pleasantly surprised on on Sunday but you know well, I'm not gonna keep I have some great news for you here, Ryan. So I just checked the weather, and it's supposed to rain Sunday. So oh, oh, it's supposed to, the weather. You didn't say the weather was going to be bad. No one told me that. I had. So that's even better. So <laughs> I cannot I got wait. A poncho. I got a poncho for you. Uh, Perfect. I can't wait. Um, it's going to be a, a great time. I'm looking forward to it because I love going to football games, and I'll be with some good people. Um, however. The actual product, you know, I'll get to see Derrick Henry. I get to see Derrick Henry run the ball, and um, that would be kind of interesting because I don't know if I've seen a running back in person like that who's so talented and so good, and and that his team blocks for him. So you know, yeah. Now, now, really quick, really quick, that reminds me. So you lived in Tennessee for a couple of years. Um, now you're back in New York, but you know, when you were down there, you had mentioned some some things about the fans being kind of lukewarm and. Not really even, like, knowing what's going on in the field. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Um, I did see that. Now that you remind me, I haven't seen Derek play, Derek Henry play on multiple occasions. I don't know why I said I haven't seen him. Um, I saw him at a practice a couple years ago when I lived down there. And I was at the Titans-Texans game um, two years ago, I believe. uh, Not – yep, two years ago. Two years ago. And – no, I don't think they don't know what's going on. I think they're they're good fans, but I I immediately noticed the, the difference between Jet fans and, and Titan fans because um, Titan fans are very nice and Jets fans are nice. Believe me, Jets fans are really nice. We're all in this together. Um, but Titans fans really didn't get upset with their team when, when things went wrong. Um, Jets fans are a little bit more passionate, and I think that's just you know it's a New York market. It is what it is. Um, but no, Titans fans, and and again, it helps when you know their team is very good. So maybe I wasn't there for you know a tough year. So I'm sure there's some some you know diehard Titans fans out there. But um, their team is good, so they don't have a lot to complain about. You know, when we're with the Jets, we're at the game, we're yelling at the team, uh, whatever it is. But um, yeah, no, there I had a great. They're super uh, awesome fans. They're super nice, super into the game. Um, just not as intense as us Jet fans. And I think that goes for almost any other team besides, you know, any New York team out there. I guess I guess my point with that whole thing was it it's a real shame that the most passionate fans have the worst teams in this league. I, well, it I, must I, be nice to be a, a lukewarm fan and your team to just succeed. I mean, you if, if you look if you look at the flip side of, you know, the other team in New York, you know, obviously excluding Buffalo – the Giants are off to the same thing. You know, their fans are passionate. It's it's the mar- the high market of New York, and you look at Dallas, like there's the top market teams. You know, sometimes it, it, we have struggled to put a, a competent product on the field. Um, it's just frustrating. And, and every time I hear Rob Sala talk, I'm confident. But how long – now you're seeing it with Joe Judge. The honeymoon period is over with Joe Judge, and now they're not getting wins. And now they're saying, hey, is it can this guy coach? So – I think we were a little bit quicker that I've noticed on the turnaround um, to say, hey, no one's turned on Sally yet, but people are starting to wonder if we have the right staff. And I think we do. I'm not going to say we don't. I really do think we do. But people are very quick to be like, hey, we need to get some results, whether we're a winner or not. We need to see some progress. And I just hope we get there because I'm tired of watching games where we can't even score a touchdown. So – I mean, I just, it's very frustrating score. Like if you can't score a touchdown in today's NFL, one touchdown that is on a consistent basis. I I don't know what, it's almost like the Adam Gase led team last year and the year before were were a lot better, which is something I thought I'd never say in my entire life. Yeah. That was something that I, I had 
tweeted on Sunday was, um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you're like, at no point in this office. Should be worse than the Adam Gase like Jets. And Could not believe tough it. to see our team do that. I mean, on Sunday, not much went well. I mean, yeah, yeah the, the, the weather looked nice. That was, I think, my one positive from the game. Looks like everyone had a good time out there. Um, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think hey, we'll take the as, W's where we can, right? Yeah, sometimes as fans, like we get more upset even than the players, which I, you know, is tough sometimes to see because you want them to look upset. And after the game, they're doing like jersey swaps, and you're like. Aren't, shouldn't you be mad like hitting a locker with your head right now, like in the old days? Um, and and they just aren't always, but you know they're millionaires at the end of the day. Uh, and at the end of the day, basically the entire team hasn't been through like th- the losses that we've been through. So this is losing to a lot of these guys is fairly new to a lot of them because you know half the I saw a picture today with all the the starting snaps uh, of the entire team. Over the last three weeks, and um, there's one player in the, from the McCagnan era. Um, I think there's one or two that that have played a ton of snaps. Um, Probably CJ, right? He's the uh, CJ. Well, see, I'm sorry, I like draft picks. Um, so you got Wesco and May, um, and I'm sure there's maybe a couple more, but yeah, there not, are a couple more. I mean, those guys <laughs> might be used to losing, but. But and it's no knock on them because, you know, they're just – it's not their fault. But, you know, a lot of these guys get drafted and they're coming from successful college programs or free agents are coming from successful teams. And fans, we, we've been around for the entire thing. So we get frustrated be, more, I think, because we've – it's just the norm at this point. And, and as much – all we hear in every all season, every week, is that we had a great week of practice. We had a great training camp. We had this. We had that. We added this. We changed it up here. Our philosophy is different. And then at the end of the day, no results. So, again, I think most people agree that we weren't looking to win anything super significant this year. We just wanted to see competitive football. And, again, it's it's early, and that's what, you know, hopefully changes as the season goes on. There's a lot of football left. But the early returns on this season are frustrating. And uh, I just hope we turn it around because – you don't. The fans are so in, involved, and they want to see, you know, an exciting game. They want to see some, some things change. So I hope, hope that's in the future. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, like you said, I think it's it's tough because we hear these coaches and they're saying talking about how great a week of practice it was, and and Salah has said this multiple times. And I think he does need to learn like what market he's in and what what these fans have dealt with. And you know, one of those things is. You know, we we're tired of hearing that kind of stuff, and it's it's more like, what are you producing on Sunday? And he needs to set that bar that it's unacceptable what's happening. And I know he's he's new and he's trying to stay positive, right? He's not going to he's not going to crush his own guys like immediately, especially the offensive coordinator. Got I asked a lot of questions. He's not going to crush them. He's not going to you know turn the media against them. Um, he's so well spoken. Like he's he everything he says, I believe. Like. If I was on the Jets, I'd be ready to play for that dude all day. Um, but yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I, I just it's it's so true how you're right. He, he, at some point, he's got to be like, all right, we got to change things. Yeah, no, for sure. So anyway, we'll move on from that segment. So segment one, we're recapping this past Sunday. Obviously, we said not much went well. What went wrong? We talked about a little the play calling, the absolute donut we dropped on the field with a, to an average Broncos team. I mean, they're three and zero, but they're not a good three and zero. They beat us and the Jags, and you know it's it's not that impressive. Um, the wide receiver drops. We'll get into that. The run game things. You know, the O line. We'll talk about that in our next segment. By when we go player by player, so. Let's jump into segment two now. Some guess, some break, uh, where we talk about which players are up and which players are down, who we guessing up, who we pumping the brakes on. I'll start it off. So in terms of who are we guessing up, who's up after this past week, I have to give it to Quentin Williams. We've been asking where this guy was the past few weeks. It's not to say he had an Aaron Donald-like Sunday, but he did have one and a half sacks, uh, and Bryce Huff was the other half of that sack. Um, but it's nice to see him back on the stat sheet and to hear his name in the broadcast, although most of us probably weren't paying attention at that point. 
Um, but it's a, it's a sack, sack and a half. So I'll take it. So what did you think about Kalanen this Sunday? Yeah, it's finally, you know, I, I gave him two weeks to say, you know, he missed training camp. You get two weeks in-game action. That That's your training camp right there. And I thought he was good Sunday. I thought the defense wasn't bad. I'm not going to knock the defense at all. So I think he, he was good. Yeah, no, defense continues. I think, and I said this Sunday, the defense overall is not the problem with this team. It's it's the fact that the defense is on the field so often. That's why these teams are scoring 26 points. You know, the, the offense is basically three and out, three and out, three and out. We didn't even get into field goal range on Sunday. I mean, that's that's pretty upsetting. Um, so the point is it's putting so much pressure on our defense to have to hold up throughout an entire game. I mean, uh, it's tough to watch. So, I mean, how many years can we how many years can we say we have a competent defense and a terrible offense? I mean, it, it's got to be all of the years. Yeah. All of the years. I just it's the same story. And that's why I'm not going to say that we're we're a different team until I actually see it. But yeah, no, I defense. I don't think we need to spend time. I mean, the only thing we can spend time is how, saying how how tough they play. So, you know, yeah, pretty much all the players I'm gassing up today are the defense. So after Quinn and I, had yeah, I don't know who brother, you could. His brother Quincy Williams, who forced a fumble and has pretty much just been laying the wood every week on players and decleating these guys. Um, from from your mouth, Ryan, when we took him, you said one he was one of the worst players in the league based on stats. Yeah. Well, and well, and I don't know, maybe a worst player in the league looks good on the Jets' defense. Well, I've heard, I read statistically when we got him that he had some upside, but like in the open field, he was like ranked the bottom. Again, not a big PFF guy, like as far as analytics go, you know, they do some good things. But yeah, I read that he was not very good in the open field. Um, When, you know, you look, I haven't been able to watch the tape really too much, Um, but he had some, some you know, exciting plays on, on Sunday where he comes up and, and makes tackles. He, he makes big time plays. And um, yeah, again, the defense, they, they showed up. And, and he played well, and he's been a nice piece. But, you know, he's no superstar. But, again, what I will say is even on the defensive side of the ball, and I know we're talking positives, but we'll get into penalties and things like that later. But um, it's just I, – I, you're right. The defense is, is really the only positive. I'd say the kicking game is positive, um, even though we didn't even get a field goal in. But uh, Quincy Williams, yeah, I like, I like that combo of him and his brother. And I think it's a pretty solid one that hopefully he can – you know, etch out a nice little role for himself uh, on the team. Yeah, no, it's good to see some some hard hitting. It gives us something to get excited about. Um, and my last player we're gassing up, as I mentioned, defense, C.J. Mosley, um, continues to look solid out there. I mean, he, he makes plays. He was in on 10 tackles um, on Sunday. Uh, but you know what? He looks visibly frustrated, and he's slapping the ground a lot. You know, it looks like he is just tired of being out there all game. Um, you know, a player of his pedigree and his, his former success with the Ravens. It's just tough. It's tough. He's been around for a couple of years now in the, in the off season, he sort of set the bar a little higher than most would have thought by saying, you know, these teams that are underestimating the jets better, you know, they're going to get their ass whooped kind of thing. And, and that's obviously not been happening. So it's tough when you say something like that. And then you watch your offense just three and out all game where you have to work your, work your butt off. Um, so He's on my list of players that continue to be up. Um, and, you know, thankfully that that money looks like it was somewhat worth it. Um, but that's it. That's it for my guess. And up this week, I, I don't have any other really players who I, I would say um, are up. Yeah, no, I'm with you on those guys. Um, <clears throat> I thought Sheldon Rankins has been solid. Um, I thought, you know, he had, he had a sack early in the game. Um, he, his pass rush from the interior has been nice to see. Um Marcus May brings it every week. He can't even say he doesn't. Um, Bryce Hall seems like – you know what? Bryce Hall seems like a legit pick that we might have hit on. Um, and I also want to credit, you know, Joe Douglas for taking Michael Carter from Duke, the corner. He seems like, you know, he seems to make at least one or two plays a week on third down where he breaks a, pla- a pass up and, and the defense gets off the field. Um, so I'm excited for him. You know, hopefully we hit on these guys, these, these picks be hit on these picks going forward because um, we're just, you know, very – we're, we're lacking a lot of talent. Um, so hopefully these guys can step up and be starters for the long term. But you see some good things on the defense, and, and that's encouraging. But 
Uh, let's go to the defensive side. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, excuse I'm me. Here. Excuse me. I'm all over the place today. You know, just the Jets have got me in a in a in a tough mental spot. Um, but uh, yes, let's go to the offensive side of the ball and and let's talk uh, some breaks. Some guys that have not been uh, producing that we want them to. You want to go first? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in first. So I have just some stats from Sunday, so they're not pretty. Um, obviously, I'm going to caveat this first one with, you know, he, he's not getting much help. But Zach Wilson, so he he was 19 for 35 for 160 yards and two interceptions. Um, those are pretty much the stats of a backup quarterback. Um, and, and once again, I want to caveat that with he had some drops. There were some drops. Uh, Corey Davis who's also on my list here, he, he struggled. He dropped some, some key plays. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, reporters have been talking about how a player like Zach needs to have help from his veterans, especially when he's a rookie. And his veterans are kind of letting him down right now. And um, it's, it's reflecting itself in the stats. So, you know, he could have another 40 yards there. If Corey did caught that uh, third down or fourth down, third or fourth down, that was a deep pass where Zach made a really great play on a rollout through a perfect ball. And Corey Davis dropped it. Um, you know, it was a contested catch, but that that's a play we pay you for, you know. So Zach had a rough day, let's be honest. I mean, he, he looked oh, – oh, Yeah. You know, he, he definitely held the ball a little long. I think, you know, we'll get into that a little you know, in terms of, of sacks and things like that. But he just – he just looks like he's he's struggling out there and – it's 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 discouraging. I mean, it's early, but it's discouraging. Well, you can definitely tell that he's been affected over the last two game, three games. Um, but going into even week three, you know, week one and week two. I mean, I'd say week one he looked confident at the eating. He was stepping into throws, and then you go to week two, and, and the pressure gets you know even more turned up, and he's getting sacked, throwing picks. It's not good. And then you see early in game three, him just really struggling to complete, you know, pretty routine passes like one to Elijah Moore early. Um, a couple he's just not stepping into. You know, he see you see he's starting to get the Sam Darnold happy feet. Um, and I'm not even, you know, it's frustrating to watch because, you know, you want the quarterback just to be a stud automatically. But you, you got to think like we're, it's almost like we're doing the same thing that we did to Sam. And I know it's early. Like I keep saying, but there's got to be some help for this young kid. I mean, when you're in BYU, you have all the time in the world. You, you know, you're not playing against the top-notch competition. Um, but he he felt – to me, he looked confident week one, and he was stepping into throws. And it, it looked like week three at this point after a couple bad games, you know, week two and week three, he looked very – he looked like he was uncomfortable. He looked very – uh you know, he didn't want to throw the ball down the field like he did before. He he, he looks like he doesn't trust his protection. Um, he doesn't want to make a mistake, and that's not good. You know, that is stuff that we need to clean up because that will last a long time. You know, think about Sam Darnold. We saw the same exact thing. His rookie year, he had great flashes, things like that, and then it's and he just went backwards and backwards because he didn't trust his protection. Um, the play calls weren't great. I mean, I saw a video of – you know, the Jets, three of them running a slant in the middle of the field together. So it's like, we got to clean that stuff up or we're going to end up with another quarterback where we trade in two years and it's going to be a mess. So I, I don't 100% put it on Zach. I, I put it on, we need to help the kid. Yes, he, he has to be accountable. He has to play better. But he also, again, like we said, a lot of drops. Yeah, no, honestly, I get what you're saying. I, I don't want to say I'm putting it all on Zach. But there are some concerning things, like you mentioned, where he is throwing off his back foot a lot. And he's looking, you know, he's throwing not difficult balls into the dirt. Um, you know, these routes where, where the receiver is open, there's not, you know, a lot of, uh, there's not a tight window to throw and he's just throwing it in the dirt. Uh, I mean, those are the passes that you have to make every single game consistently throughout your career. And it's early. And I think a lot of it, too, though, has to do with him, like you said, not being confident in his pass pro and then throwing awkwardly. And it's not his typical throw. And that's what's happening. And when he gets out of the pocket and he's moving, he's a little more natural of an athlete and, and can and throw with his natural motion. And those throws look beautiful all the time. But the pocket, 
you know, it's it's some of that happy feet. And it's concerning because we're told this is a new revamped offensive line and it doesn't look like it. And, and Zach looks like, you know, he's starting to lose confidence in them and it's affecting his routine throws, um, which is a problem. And you see someone like Teddy Bridgewater who comes out there and Teddy's not some elite quarterback, uh, but he looked elite on Sunday and that had nothing to do with the Jets defense. It had to do with his confidence. When you see him moving in the pocket, stepping into his throws, finding guys underneath, finding guys over the middle, you know, it, it opens up the rest of the offense. And Zach was just relying on, I mean, you know, a little bit too much of, of the, the, you know, make a play. And yes, and, but I don't think it's fair to, to compare a veteran quarterback to a guy in his third start. I think um, Teddy, Teddy has been around. He, he's a really, really, really solid. Zach has a lot of moving parts going on. The Broncos, you know, have built up pretty well. Um, however, you know, the Jets are really struggling to build around Zach on the early returns. We still have a lot of season left, um, but his veterans got to help. Like you said, Corey Davis would have dropped. He's got five drops on the season already. You got Michael Carter, who's a rookie, again, not a veteran, but drops a wide open pass that probably could have went to the end zone um, or at least, you know, 20 yards. Uh, and then you have Ty Johnson dropping a pass on, on third and one. Um, again, a questionable call. Third and one, you went empty um, or at least, you know, put a running back in the backfield, you know, at least give the threat that you might run. So there's just so many moving parts. Um, obviously, those guys, you know, you hope that Salah and those guys are are looking at the film and changing it. But I'm not I'm not going to be the guy that jump ship on Zach Wilson. Um, I know you're not. I know you're not saying that. Um, but there's a lot of football um, left to play. And I think he's just going to improve. I really do. Um, but. You know, I don't know how you can get worse, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a rough start. It's a rough start. And um, you mentioned some of the drops. Corey Davis uh, had 10 targets Sunday, only five receptions. And then he had, you know, the, the big drop downfield. Ty Johnson, um, multiple drops. I think we should just stop throwing him the ball. Um, to me, he's a he's a between the tackles power back. Um, he runs dudes over. He's not meant to be out there catching the, catching the ball on third down. Put your I mean, pass, pass protection back. Yeah, his pass protection is terrible. Put put your running back out there that can catch Michael Carter, who unfortunately had a drop Sunday, but is a better pass catcher. Um, and then you know those are the guys really that I have on my my uh, you know my down list. Lastly, as a group, I have the O line again on my down list um, from week one. Week two they look better. Week three they look bad again. Uh, they miss blocks all over the place. Greg Van Roten in his post game interview put some blame on Zach, saying he's got to get rid of the ball. Earlier, it's it's causing us to look worse, basically, than we are. Uh, but he also said we have to be better. You know, I want to get your thoughts on that because after that comment, fans basically wanted to put Greg Van Roten's head on a spear. Um, so I would like to know what your thoughts are. On I mean, I don't know if I've even said it on you. I'm not the biggest GVR fan. Um, you have said it. I probably have. <laughs> um, not the biggest fan of his game. I thought you know, we needed to make a move at right guard. So I'm just going to, that's where I'm at, you know, before I, I'm prefacing this before I get into his comments. Um, I think he needs to be way better. I think, you know, he's a huge reason we're struggling on the offensive line. So I'll leave that, you know, right there. Um, as far as his comments, although I disagree, I'm sorry, how do I put this? Although I agree with what he's saying because every time you're, he Zach drops back, I'm saying get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. Okay. Um, although I do agree with that, as as a right guard and, and as a starter and as a veteran, you can't say that to the media because you know that everybody's going to run with that. Okay, and that's not helping your young quarterback in the film room. You know, at practice, you need to develop a better relationship because whether it was said you know, out of context or whatever it was that, that reached all social media and everything where everybody got upset, you know that people are going to use that clip and you know that Zach's going to hear it. You know that the media is going to be all over it. So you just can't say that. Um, I, again, he, does Zach hold the ball too much? Probably. He's a rookie. So that's a, something that you have a conversation with, you know, off the field or in the locker room or whatever, but don't say it to the media because then, you know, the New York media is going to take that and run with it. So that's my perspective. Um, yeah, that, that's how I feel about it. I completely agree. Um, I, I think 
no, there was people upset with that comment. And like you said, it doesn't mean it's not true. So I think that's the, the problem is it, you don't, you know, you have to be careful, especially with the media that, you, you know, you may be right, but it doesn't mean it's a good thing to say. So I think there's, you know, certain things that Salah doesn't say. He's probably more frustrated than he's saying, you know, um, even with Mike LaFour. And they're like, what can you do to help this guy? And he's like, I don't know, you know, we'll figure it out. But he's probably pissed off that his offense isn't scoring points. But he doesn't say that in front of, of the media. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things where you have to make sure you're you're a little more careful. I understand you know, the offensive line is getting a lot of blame for what's going on. And Greg Van Roten is part of that. And he's probably pissed off that no one's blaming anyone but them for these issues um, where there are other reasons that Zach's getting sacked or pressured. And uh, he does have to get rid of the ball. But like you said, it's just one of those things. You don't give them that line um, to run with. So, and I don't mean that as a, as a pun, um, but uh, anyway, we'll, we'll move on from this segment. Um, but before we do, um, I just want to mention, once again, Denzel Mims, a healthy scratch on Sunday. Once again, Mike LaFour said he had an insanely amazing Calvin Johnson Megatron-like practice uh, week, and yet it was another healthy scratch. So I'm, I'm confused here. I mentioned it last um, week. We are not good enough of a team to have a healthy scratch for a talented young player like Denzel Mims, and to think that we're going to trot out these guys like Braxton Berrios and and um, Jeff Smith and and think that those guys are going to beat these you know these teams and our t- our receivers are not getting separation like they should. Um, you know we need a guy like Denzel Mims in there who can win those 50-50 balls. He has four three speed. He's like six foot three. I just don't get it. I've had people tell me that he he needs to learn the playbook more and that that's that matters to me. That does not matter as much as getting a mismatch on the field. Um, and somebody that can, you know, be lined up against the second best corner or the third best corner, because now you have Corey Davis, him and Elijah Moore on the field together. And now the, the third best corner has to cover Denzel Mims. I would take that pretty much any day. Um, so my, my question is, what is going on? Is there something else? Did Denzel Mims kill Mike LaFleur's mother? I don't know what happened here. It just doesn't seem like this is this is the right No, I, I tend to agree with you with that because – um, like you said, we don't have the dudes to put ahead of him as far as talent goes. Um, uh, it's frustrating, you know, and here's what I think is going to happen. And hopefully, you know, I'm wrong. He plays sooner, but let's say we wait, you know, week eight, week nine, week 10, which this is what I think is going to happen. And I could be way wrong, but I think he's going to come back because, you know, whatever the case may be, the season already is lost. He's going to get out there, and he's going to make a couple great plays. And we're all going to say, as an entire fan base, what we were right. Where was this kid? Why was he not out there week one? Why was he not out there helping Zach's development? Because if it is an issue, you got to think long-term, and you got to think the health, the the overall health and um, not even health, but the overall in development of your young quarterback. Does answer the question? Does Denzel Mims help Zach Wilson develop? Yes or no? Right now. Yes, for me. I'm asking that to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get a guy out there that can okay, that can yeah, help, help catch the ball. You know, and, okay. He is a talented receiver. Talented receiver. For some reason, people say he's not a scheme fit. But when I watched him last year, he was one of the best run blocking receivers that we've had. Um, and that's what you need in this system. Um, bottom line, that, that, if, that, if whatever players are out there to help Zach Wilson get better, okay, you got to put them out there. All right, again, I, I got to believe that there's got to be more to it, and this just we're not finding out. Um, but- I would like to challenge Jets fans out there who are listening to go and dig into this and develop some form of conspiracy theory. I want a theory. There's, there's, yeah, I need yeah, there's something. something going on here, and we need some more information. And maybe it's just the in. fact that. You know, we, I, I keep hearing that it, it was an old coach's pick where, you know, it was an old system, whatever it is. But to me, when you have a guy that's six foot three, he runs a four three and change, and he's a stud run blocker. And his knock is that he can't run the, run the route tree. Um, I mean, that was the knock out of, out of college. I mean, then why do we draft him? Like, put the dude out there. Him and, you know, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and James Crowder, on paper, that's really solid. I want to see what we can do. 
it's frustrating because we're all in, in Denzel Mims' corner and we want him to do well because, you know, we saw some really awesome flashes last year and I just hope we get it together because whatever it is, I, I hope it gets worked out because I think he can be a big contributor to the offense. And, and I think he's a really, really solid number two. Um, maybe I'm not a believer that he's not a number one receiver, but he could really help on the offense. And I think we all agree and, and maybe we're all wrong and, and, they're right, but it's frustrating because you, you spend these. I don't think the last time we hit a number two pick, I was alive. I don't know when's the last time we had a number two pick, a round two pick that that contributed. So, I mean, Marcus May, but I, he, I almost on offense, I should say, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good point. Um, you know, I think it reminds me a little of Robbie Anderson in terms of. You know, you got to put this guy out there. Robbie Anderson wasn't known for running routes. He was known for burning guys, right? And yet we still put him out there and we said, okay, like, get this guy some game experience. He's got talent. And Robbie has turned into one of the best, you know, wide receivers in the National Football League. He's not top five guy, but, you know, Jets don't need top five guys. We need top 15 guys, top 20 guys. And Denzel Mims could be that for us. And, and yet he's not even wearing a uniform on Sunday. So, We'll keep I heard rumors that he's coming. Pl- yeah, yeah, I heard rumors that he's playing this week, so I will be okay. super excited to see him out there. But let's move on. I can't. It's very hard to to keep talking negatives because I, you know, hopefully yeah, there's some, something we can look forward to. We have some interesting stuff. Um, so that will wrap up segment two for us. And now we move into segment. Three. So segment three this week actually is our fan files. So we uh, had asked on Twitter if you guys have any questions for our podcast this week. So we got a few. Um, there's some good ones. So prepare yourself, Ryan. Our first question uh, from Twitter is from Jack, who's at 5858Jack. Uh, we get to talk about a little bit about our former quarterback here. Um, once again, he's making his way around. Um, but His question is, well, it's more of a statement and a question is, I called out Sam Darnold and his terrible play way before most everybody else. I've done the same thing with the general manager, and I've been killed for both takes. Why does the GM get a pass? The Jets are a colossal embarrassment, and he is entirely to blame. So I'll take this one first, and I'll kick it over to you. But I think occasionally what happens with Jets fans and fans of a lot of organizations, but particularly Jet fans, is we have rose-colored glasses. Uh, and our hope runs very deep, sometimes too deep, where we can be a little bit blinded by reality. I think it's a valid question. I think with Sam Darnold, there was obviously some issues uh, when it came to some of the talent around him and he started to regress over the years. So you, we're seeing some success now for him in Carolina. We'll talk about that in a second. But with Joe Douglas, I think it's a fair question. I asked on Sunday after that performance, at what point do we start to question Joe Douglas's ability as a talent, talent evaluator? Um, I think this, this goes deeper than even whether he signs free agents or not, or pays up for guys, but how good is he at actually evaluating talent when it comes to the draft? And I think when it comes to success for a GM, it's how do those players perform? You know, you know, they, they're, you know, the early results on Joe Douglas's draft classes are not that good, especially the 2020 class. I think, a lot of people can can agree that it's just not going well for that that class. And right now on Sunday, we can't even score points. And he focused heavily on the offense in this past offseason. I think some of that falls on the, the coaches, but the players are ultimately the ones that have to go out there and do the job. And Joe Douglas is in charge of getting those players. So I think it is time that we start paying a little bit more attention to what Joe Douglas is doing. I do not think, uh, Jack, that you should be killed for that take. I think it's reasonable to say, is Joe Douglas good at his job? Think, yeah, it, it's it's something that we don't want to talk about. I don't think anybody wants to talk about it, to be honest with you, because we're just so worried that we're going to move on because that's what we always do. And we felt really good about him early. Um, I think this, you know, hopefully, but, you know, when you talk about just – as a speaker and as a motivator, when we when we hired Rob Sala, I thought that we all were like, all right, Douglas is the dude. He got the right coach. You know, everything that we thought about Rob Sala, like that's what we wanted, um, at least early on. And that made us have more faith in Joe. 
And then when you go up to trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker and you feel as though those drafts, draft picks were great, you got to look back at the 2020 draft. Um, the guys are just not producing. It's frustrating because Makai Becton had so much promise. And again, he's telling his career is over. Um, but right now he's hurt. Denzel Mims not playing. Ashton Davis not playing. Um, James Morgan, LaMichael Pedrine. Well, James Morgan and Jabari are cut. Um, LaMichael Pedrine hurt or, you know, inactive. Um, Bryce Hall, nice pick so far. Braden Mann hurt. Um, and we just, it's like we haven't hit on anybody in that draft. I mean, Bryce Hall is the only one contributing right now. Um, and then this new draft, uh, you know, is yet to be determined. So if this draft doesn't turn out the way we want it to, then you start to get a little bit worried. Um, free agent signings, you can't knock him for Carl Lawson because we all thought he'd be great. Um, Corey Davis is up and down. And, and at the end of the day, you know, free agent signings are big, but if you can't draft, you can't be a GM. Um, he's gotten a ton of picks. He, he's done a great job accumulating picks. Um, we just got to hit on those picks. And I'm not too, I'm not going to run off the ship and say it's, it's over for him. Um, but if this season doesn't shake out well and next season doesn't shake out well, then it's time. But right now, you know, let's finish the season. If we are bad next year, just like this, then he's got to go. But I think we need to give him at least a season, this season and next season, and then we evaluate. But let's just hope it's he, he knows what he's doing. Please, I can't do this whole rebuild. Because then you rebuild again. <laughs> I can't. I can't do we've it again. Really, we've really been hiring the worst architects to build this freaking team. Because well, we... let's hope we did it this time. Because <laughs> because we keep knocking down and rebuilding, knocking down and rebuilding. I agree with you. I think part of the hesitation with Joe Douglas is we just want to hope he's going to be the guy. And, and a lot think, of it is hope. Yeah, you think he knows what he's doing, like the way he says the right things and what he's about, and and I love what he says. Everything he says, I'm like, yes, yes, I love it. Do I agree with every move? No. But, you know, not going to get tight ends to help Zach. You know, not doing anything about the guard position, uh, at the right guard position, okay? Um, things like that where it's very frustrating uh, to see. Because, you know, it's like as a fan, you're like, all right, that's what we need. Let's go do it. And obviously it's easier said than done. But make the effort, you know, go spend the money. Go, you know, draft the guys at a position, I mean, I'm the one, and you can nitpick every single pick, but I'm, I've been saying, draft Trey Smith, draft Trey Smith. You can do it. He's a stud. He's a stud. And Jets fans are yelling at yeah, And then we don't take him, and now he's starting for Kansas City, and he's doing a darn good job at it. So it's like – Right, and he went by us multiple times in the draft. I mean, he, he was a, a first, first second-round talent that went six-round, which we could easily take in. And guys that aren't even playing on the roster right now, uh, like in, in game game situations, they're not even on the, the field where Trey Smith could have fit perfectly. Again, whether it's scheme fit, whether it was the injury concern, the medical concern, like it's just there's certain things you don't agree with. But overall, everything he says, I'm in. But we it's got to produce wins. You got to win games. Yeah, my, my biggest issue with him is is the you're, you're proven by by game day. Game day proves 100%. You could say what you want. You could do what you want. At the end of the day, if you're not winning games, your picks aren't producing, then we have tr- we have an issue. But I'm not going to write anybody off week three into the season. If this was week 15 and this is the same story, then we then we could have a serious conversation. But that is a great Twitter question. I think a lot of people get crushed for, you know, jumping the ship early and, and trying to say, hey, this dude isn't great. Um, maybe you're right. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I said it in a, in a few episodes ago. I said, look, Jets fans are patient, but we will run out of patience. We have, pretty, we have pretty much run out of patience. I think with Joe Douglas, for me, it's one, you know, he has basically he's on notice. And if he doesn't perform in 2022, like if the team doesn't show that they're going to compete for a playoff spot by next season, compete for a playoff spot. They're not that hard to ask. Just compete. By, by Just compete. Three, Three and a half, I should say. As a GM, you should be able to compete for a playoff spot. I agree. And, because, yeah. I agree. And if he's not, then he, he's got to go. And we got to restart this thing, unfortunately. We don't have to restart maybe the coach. But for now, I think the GM, unfortunately, we we feel like we finally have GM, coach, quarterback right, at the same right. time. But if you don't have a good GM in that trio, there's no reason to, to keep that. 
I mean, I don't care about continuity if the guy sucks. Right. Let's just hope. No, I, I couldn't agree more. But, you know, let's be patient. And it's so annoying to say that because we've been patient for a decade. But let's just hope. All we can do is hope, you know. We're not going out there playing football on Sundays, so they are. So let's just hope that we improve and uh, we turn this thing around. I'll tell you what, if we can stick together for a whole season with Adam Gase for a whole two seasons and that entire coaching staff and, and that roster, we, we can get through this. So I'll tell you but, what, Adam Gase is looking at his, uh, his ESPN updates on his phone and smiling right now. Um, yeah, but then he looks at Sam Darnold and says, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> what, what have I done? <laughs> um, or what did I not do?" With yeah. um, anyway, we'll move on to our next question. This comes from Rob at Rob W twenty four. We know him very well. He's our brother, but uh, he did submit a decent question here. So I think you know this is something everyone's sort of ignoring or not ignoring, but they're in denial about. And the question is: Does Sam Darnold's success in Carolina prove the Jets have a dysfunctional organization? I don't <laughs> think. Like, how much time do we have to spend on this? Yes. I mean, we, we're not going to go deep, too deep into this because the yeah, answer is yes. Jets, the Jets, of course, yeah, we are. The, the Jets have been a dysfunctional, dysfunctional organization, and Sam Darnold succeeding in Carolina immediately when he leaves the New York Jets, it's it's like a case study, right? It's like when you do something like, or or I should say, like a scientific study. Whenever you're you know, you're comparing the placebo versus the the actual. You're trying to see the difference between the two. When he's with the Jets, they suck. When he sucks, when he's with the Carolina, he immediately improves. It's like night and day, right? And obviously, Carolina, they have a a, a better uh, group of talent on that offense. But the Jets improved their talent this this uh, off season. And you know, I think Sam Darnold in this scheme would be doing better than he did in previous schemes. So was it too early to give up on Sam Darnold? I don't think it was It was the wrong, like we've said, the wrong move to trade him. It was time for him to move on uh, into a, to greener pastures, or I should say bluer. Um, but it does prove something about the Jets. It shows that yeah, we're dysfunctional. You know, I think that, you know, know, a player like Zach Wilson has a lot of talent, and he's coming in, and he looks a little lost out there. Yeah, we're, we're dysfunctional, and, and this is why we hired Rob Sala to fix the, the dysfunction. And this is why, you know, Joe Douglas had a six-year deal. And that's what it is. We're, we're dysfunctional, and, and hopefully we're breaking that up and trying to turn into a legitimate organization. But, yeah, that that completely shows that. I mean, I think we all knew we were dysfunctional. I think the whole world did, especially last year. Hopefully we're not anymore going forward, going into week four. But as of right now, yeah, it doesn't look great. Yeah, and I think unfortunately you see a lot of Jet fans on Twitter, and they're they're just like, oh well, Sam, Sam would in, in you know on Sunday against the Broncos, he would have done even worse than Zach. And I'm like, how can I you do much worse? Don't I'm like, know if that's I, true. I, honestly, <laughs> it, honestly, it's just this idea that people want to feel good about the moves we've made. No, to move on from Sam. Oh, he sucks now. So or, you know, if he did suck, it would be like, oh, we feel so good. We got rid of someone who wasn't going to be good for us. But he's not sucking, so everyone's like, oh, well, it's just because of this and that. It's just this receiver, this this running back, this play caller. And, you know, I think we all knew when we drafted Sam that he had the talent. The Jets sort of robbed him of his chance to show it. Um, I think that's, that's yeah, what, I, th- what I, think, I would say. I think we, we, we 100% agree on this. That that's We're just praying this doesn't happen to Zach. We just hope it doesn't. What what I need yeah. to hear the next question because that I'm going to see Rob later, and I'm going to be like, Get a little upset with him, so I don't want to hear that right now. I don't. I don't want him to ask those questions that I have to talk about. <laughs> so we yes, know the Greg. answer. <laughs> Beat him down for me. Um. Anyway, our last question comes from Cody at uh, Cody Engel, who is our founder at Roster Up Media. Uh, if you noticed at the beginning of the episode, we are part of the Roster Up Media uh, podcast network. Cody said, "Are you more concerned?" about play calling or talent evaluation as a whole. He said, it feels like I'm not done. I'm not done. Cody asked very intricate questions. So he says, it feels like the allowed pressure rate, play action rate and lack of rollouts are a rookie play caller problem as much as the actual rookies. He says, that's not to say it's the whole problem, but a macro view of all rookies this year says situation matters more than talent. Yes. It's only week three, but it's hard. And it's hard to gauge talent when the scheme situation consistently has the QB in a bad spot. So I think this is true. You're seeing it sort of uh, with some of these, these teams with these rookies where every rookie is struggling and you're like, is this a matter of talent or is this a matter of play calling and situation? You know, I think that's some of the problem that's going on with Zach right now is some of this play calling has been rough. It's hard to really evaluate. Is Zach the guy? 
I mean, is it for certain moments he looks like the guy? What do you think about this? I think it's just a mixture of both. Um, what a question by Cody, by the way. It's very in-depth. He's always dropping fire. Um, fire stuff. Yes, I, I, it's both. Um, we're, we're not helping Zach by, with the play calling, and the veterans and the guys on the team around him are not helping him. So that's not a recipe for success. At least, you know, hopefully one of them can get get right and start, you know, picking it up. But, no, I think LaFleur is a rookie play caller. You know, he's got he's got to figure it out. He's got to make the game a little bit simpler for Zach. I mean, when I watch other teams in the league, uh, even, you know, when you watch Houston, they look competent on offense, and they have no quarterbacks out there that are, you know, first, second, third-round picks. So you look at a couple teams that are not – great teams and they look competent. So I think that's an offensive play call thing. Um, and I also think the, the guy's got to step up. I think it's just the whole, whole thing working together. I think everything has gone wrong that could go wrong. So that's my only hope right now is that we can, we have, we can't go, we can't be worse. Okay. So the play calling has to get, it can't be worse. The talent around us can't be worse than it's been. So Hopefully one of them improves or both of them improve. And That's we'll a hell see of an endorsement in our team is it cannot be worse. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what else? I, I'm going to be real true. about it. I'm not going to true. We're, we're gonna gonna say give, we're yeah, going to say we're going to be brutally honest takes here. Yeah, it's uh, true, though. We got we got to be better all around um, as a staff. You know, obviously, I'm not coaching the team. Their staff, um, their players, everybody's got to be better. But I think they're they would tell you that. I think they would, you know, the accountability seems like it's there. It's not like they're pointing fingers, which is a positive. No, I agree. I think overall, though, it's it, like Cody's saying here, it's a lot of it has to do with the situation these players are in. Like you see, like back to our earlier questions about Sam Darnold, he put he gets put in a much better situation, um, you know, and the play calling's good and the players around him are good. And he looks like night and day. He's in the MVP conversation. I mean, this is like what's actually happening in real time. I mean, if you look um, at where you get drafted, that's pretty much – a huge piece of how your story in the NFL. Right, you go to the worst team. If you look at Josh Allen, and if he doesn't go to Buffalo and he comes to New York, who's to say we don't do the same thing with Sam? Baker Mayfield drops a three. What happens if he comes to the Jets? I mean, he went to the Browns and figured out. The Browns were bad too, but they built better. I mean, let's just – I'm just saying, like, if you look at it from a strictly draft perspective, if any of those quarterbacks that had success came to where we went, uh, we came to where Sam went, you know, who knows what we would have done with them um, under what we had. So, again, where you get drafted, what system you're in, that is, like, more than half the battle, in my opinion. It it definitely is. And, you know, I think – one, one sort of eye-popping stat from Sunday, and this has nothing to do with what we just said, but just showing you that things can be skewed a little is, is you know, Wilson had 50, like a 54% completion percentage Sunday. Ouch. When, you, when you actually take out drops, he had over 70%. So, you know, that's a great number. So, obviously, drops happen, but they shouldn't happen at that rate. Right. If we can so get I there, think, that'd be great. You know, a situation really does make a difference in how these players end up looking. And unfortunately, you end up losing sometimes guys that had talent because they end up in a bad situation, are bad for multiple years because of the situation uh, being the bigger part of that. And then they end up getting released and playing well somewhere else. And, you know, I'm just hoping that doesn't happen this time around, that we can finally learn from our mistakes. I think we thought we had a much better offense coming into this season. It's looking somehow worse. And honestly, it's one of those head scratchers where you wake up and you're like, what in the world is going on? And I think, you know, it's, it comes down a lot to play calling. And honestly, I just think we've got to make it easier on Zach. He's got to, you know, we threw one screen, I think on Sunday, you know, when the Panthers played us, they threw like seven screens. I mean, it's like, you know, you have to think about some of the ways to make it easier on him. And, you know, our run game didn't help us at all Sunday. So that's another way, but, Anyway, we appreciate your questions, everybody. Thanks for, for throwing those out there. Remember, send those to us at JetUpPod on Twitter, and we'll be happy to answer your questions in future episodes. And now we move on to our final segment, Flying Forward, uh, where we look ahead to next week and uh, focus a little bit on the positives. There aren't many, but for me, uh, it's Rob Sala. Rob Sala knows how to move forward. 
Uh, he knows, you know, that this team needs him to look ahead. Because when players focus on abysmal performances, it only makes them worse. Um, so I know he, Ryan, you sort of said we were kind of all dumbfounded a couple of days ago or yesterday. We were kind of just talking this Jets chat about what do we do? Like, it's like we feel like we're melting down again. Like, there's just, there's, we don't know what's going on or how this is going to get better and not a lot of things to look at positively. But then Rob Sala gets on the mic and he makes you feel better about things and he makes you look forward and talks about context and how it's early in the season and, you know, I think those things are all true, um, and I appreciate that he does those things. As a fan, it's still frustrating, but I think it's nice to have a coach that can actually motivate and sort of get you out of that rut that you're in after seeing a performance like he did. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I mean, I believe he's the right guy for the job. I I, I know that might be like everybody would be like, wow, how, how could you even say that? How do you know that yet? I believe we, you know, I believe he's the right guy. Um, I think he's going to lead him out of this. I think it's going to be, you know, everybody in the world, including, you know, me two days ago and, and everybody, every Jet fan is right now is saying, all right, same old Jets. This is what we do. We lose. We fire coaches. We fire GMs. We restart. Uh, we get a quarterback with talent. We ruin them. We trade them. Done. Um, that is what that is what the same old Jets do. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but I think Rob Sala is the dude to fix this. And yes, they've played three games that, you know, against tough defenses and, and yes, they've looked horrible. I, I think he's the dude. I don't know what I, I, there's no analytics behind it. There's nothing. There's something different about this dude that I think he can change the entire organization. And I know I'm Mr. You know, emotional when it comes to jet fans, but I really believe that, and, and it's going to be frustrating. There's going to be times that I doubt what I'm saying right now, but I really believe he's going to change everything. And I and hopefully this gives some hope to some Jet fans, but he's got something that we've never had as a head coach. And I, I maybe he, and I don't think he's just a great speaker. I think he's about it. So I'm very excited to see what he can do. Um, we're going to turn this around. We're playing a really, you know, struggling defense on Sunday, um, in Tennessee. So, you know, our defense is going to bring it and, and hopefully our offense can capitalize on, on a weak defense. But, um, I have a weird feeling that this is it. Okay. I know there's so many negatives going on right now, but I'm telling you this dude, he can coach and it's going to get figured out. Maybe not this year, but it's going to get figured out. I'm not even going to respond to that that was awesome um i'm just gonna let that sort of linger with all you listeners uh who need some some positivity today after this past week um and this tough start but rob Sala, baby we gotta believe in him we gotta do it so we're gonna move on even from that we're just gonna get right to our prediction for sunday uh ryan i have us losing this game my prediction uh what's what's yours um real prediction is them losing yes um but I think two podcasts ago, I said that I'm always going to pick them to win. Uh, I'm going to keep going with that. Um, three nothing. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go. The offense figures it out. 21-17 Jets. That is my fandom prediction. Don't think it's really going to happen. But at least I think the offense gets it right. That's my real prediction. Um, the offense figures figures it out a bit. That's where I'm at. And free ends up, please. That's bold, but I know you said you weren't going to pick them to lose this season, so I know you have to pick them. I to have win. to now. I mean, do I believe it? No, but <laughs> you know, I have to. And if I'm right, I'm going to look like a genius. You can only, you know, you can be right sometimes. Even you know, I don't know. But the my prediction is unfortunately a loss. Um, this Titans offense is very good. They're starting to get going on the ground. I think our defense is solid, but I don't know if we have the guys to cover uh, Julio Jones and AJ Brown and to deal with Derrick Henry, um, to be honest with you. So I could see them sort of running away with this one. I do think the offense will get going a little bit, like you said, but I'm going to give it uh, to the Titans 35 to 17. Yeah. Um, in all honesty, I think there'll be a little bit too much uh, for us to handle, but I do think we're going to have something positive to cheer on Sunday um, and we get it figured out. But uh, after that, the schedule lightens up a bit. So 
Let's score some points Sunday. Honestly, that's all we want, guys. We just want to see the offense look better each week, show some progression, get down the field, score a few touchdowns. We don't need to score 40 points. We just want to look like we're making progress here and the players are getting involved. Give us something to be excited about, for goodness sakes. With that, we'll end the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Remember to head to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, head to rosterupmedia.com for articles and fantasy football analysis, and head to at JetUpPod on Twitter, at JetUpPodcast on Instagram. Follow us, share the show. We will see you guys next week. All gas, no break. This is JetUp. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening to this episode of Jet Up. Remember to go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter at JetUpPod. This episode was brought to you by Roster Up Media, where football meets data. Head to rosterupmedia.com for more great NFL content.